welcome to the Almost Enlightened podcast. I'm your host, Alex Morin. For those of you that tuned in last week to episode 20, Love in the 60s, you'll know that this episode is a continuation of last week's segment. This is the final part in a two-part series called Love in the 60s. It highlights the multifaceted nature of love in a relationship in, you guessed it, one's 60s. I was so fortunate to have the opportunity to sit with my mentor and great friend, Terry Craig, as she bravely chronicled her journey of being separated for seven years before finding the love of her life in her 60s. While it may be an exceptional glimpse into love at that stage in life, it's much, much more than that. Terry's insights, instincts, and wisdom provide so many fascinating lessons that after having listened to the audio as many times as I have, I kept on finding tidbits of knowledge. And that would be why I was forced to interject as a narrator, in addition to being the interviewer, every now and again, so that I could highlight what I'd missed during the interview. So to bring you up to speed on where we left off, Terry had just finished explaining the anticipation, the nervousness, the beauty, and the awesomeness of rediscovering the essence of intimacy after a substantial break. We're picking up the interview when I asked her about the huge decisions that she and James made a mere matter of months after having met one another. Let's check it out. So um, you said nine months, like this must shock people that, that, that you've only been together nine months and, and tell me what are your plans together? You've made some, I know this. So, so I'm, I'm asking, I'm leading the witness here, but you've made some unbelievable decisions, like some huge decisions that would make some people's eyebrows raise. Nevertheless, you know, in your heart, you're making the right decisions. Tell me about some of those decisions that you've made lately. That's funny you say that because we've raised our own eyebrows going, what were we thinking? (laughs) (laughs) Um, through all this talking and sharing, um, we've learned so much about each other. And one of the things we came across probably in the third month of dating was that both of us had a long-term dream of living on the water. Um, I've been talking about it for 25 years. I talked about I'm American, so I was thinking I'm going to Savannah or South Carolina, North Carolina. And then I realized that, how could I really do that? My kids are everywhere. And so I have a child and I have two here in Toronto. I have one in Australia and one in Seattle. So their kids are everywhere. Um, And so when we established that that was a dream that we both had, we just started for fun, total for fun, to look at places on the water in Niagara, basically, Um, and just to see what the market was and and just and this was early this is January even December maybe so it was you know we'd only been dating five four or five months um not like nine months is long but (laughs) (laughs) um anyway so to cut the short story kind of short um really good friends of mine live in Victoria and they've just gotten there recently and they were singing the praises of what they call Canada's Florida, I guess, uh, with the temperate weather and the 12 months a year golf and never getting too hot, never getting too cold. Uh, it was like, okay, that's like a dream. James is a pretty serious golfer and I'm seriously trying to keep up with him. <laughs> um, and we want to golf and walk and hike and go on beaches and see waterfalls and do all these things. So we started looking in Victoria um, and many flukes later, the dream condo that we saw first is the one we ended up buying at the end of March and we're moving in three weeks. This is unbelievable. I mean, 
What a story. What a story. And I think that there are probably a lot of people that are listening that can relate to the story of, you know, wanting to live by the water or wanting to live somewhere else and wanting to live out their dream. And yet, myself included, um, you know, we, we, we don't do that. Like my, my wife and I, Sarah and I, have, have discussed that so many times. We would love to move to France where we could practice our French, where we could be somewhere that, that we find so beautiful, particularly the south of France, where the weather's a bit more to our liking. So, but, but we don't do that for various reasons. You, now, you guys just, all right, let's look. And we've gone that far. We've looked. I mean, everyone does that. You get on the real estate sites. Ooh, this place is nice. It's in our budget. But then we do nothing about it, right? But you guys actually go online. You, you find these, this beautiful place, the first place you find, and you actually take it. You take it and you are moving to Victoria, British Columbia. And I mean, one of the beautiful things is you're going to be closer to one of your daughters, right? Which is, which is astounding. And the newest grandbaby. And the newest grandbaby. Holy smokes. That's unbelievable. Wow. So no, 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 no fear, right? Do you have fear? Like, like how does that play in? Because I think everyone in the world has some kind of fear. I mean, I'm a confident dude. I know where I'm going in life, at least I think I know where I'm going, and yet there isn't a day that goes by where there's not uh, a moment of self-doubt. Ooh, is that podcast good enough? Um, <laughs> is my heart strong enough? You know, like, uh, uh, are my kids going to make it? Like, we, we all have doubts. We all have fears. So tell me, do, do you, is there room for fear in your life, and how do you deal with it if there is? That's a good question, by the way. Is there room for fear in your life? And again, that's, a lot of that is choice. Mm. what you choose to put your thought into and your focus into. And being a person of, you know, pretty great positivity, uh, I don't do a lot of that. It, it's interesting. It's an interesting topic uh, that could go on a whole other tangent. Um, my sister and I are the same in this, and we talked about this a lot. What I don't virtually ever experience is guilt. Mm. And the reason that is is because once I make a decision – it becomes the right one, mm. regardless. Excellent, excellent. And I believe that in my heart. I believe when I've when I've decided. I think it's not like I don't think things through, but when I've decided, it's the right decision. Now, it doesn't mean there won't be some backlash from it, but I don't feel guilty about it. We have to stop here. There are two concepts that are totally worth exploring. One is that Terry's answer to my question of whether there's room for fear in her life had an interesting answer. She said. A lot of it is choice, what you choose to put your thought into and your focus into. And that's a pretty wild concept. It actually implies that it's possible to shift one's focus from thoughts of doubt and fear to thoughts of positivity and enthusiasm. But what strikes me as utterly fascinating is that Terry has a method she uses to sidestep fear altogether. And it occurs to me that it's a fabulous lesson to everyone listening. Her method revolves around decision-making a skill that so few people realize holds a very important key to success and accomplishment. Have you ever noticed that successful people tend to make decisions fairly quickly, but always resolutely? Listen to what Terry has to say about decision-making. She says, once I make a decision, it becomes the right one. <laughs> wow, that's bold. And while that might appear to be audacious to some, to me it's the sign of a leader and someone who knows how to move in the direction of her goals. That was an 
awesome moment in the interview for me, and I will absolutely try and continue to improve my decision-making skills as a way of reaching goals and eliminating fears. Let's continue on with Terry's answer as to whether or not anyone's raising their eyebrows. So I expected a little more backlash on this Mm -hmm. uh, from my children, particularly the the son who's here with his three of my grandbabies. Um, Some friends who, because of COVID, don't know James, right? Mm -hmm. That's the other thing. Mm -hmm. I go from not having someone in my life to moving across the country. You know, you talk about raising eyebrows. So, but I have no fear. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, because, well, because of our relationship, but I'm also not an idiot and I'm not crazy. So it's not like we say nothing could possibly happen to us and we're together forever. And blah. we don't even say that. Yeah. We, we said that from right from the get go, that, that this move to Victoria is a two year adventure. Mm, wow. I, I, that's fascinating. That's exactly how we position wow. it to ourselves wow. and then position it to our families and friends. Okay. So we ended up buying a condo we could have rented to make that more officially a journey, but it didn't make sense for a lot of reasons. It doesn't matter. You sell it if you want to go. And we just decided we will spend two years there exploring everything, deciding. And at the end of two years, we will establish, is this where we want to live? Do we want to live in this particular condo? Do we want to live in the city? Do Are we missing our friends and family too much? And we'll reevaluate. Now, anybody who's ever been to Victoria, who lives in Victoria, says you will never return (laughs) (laughs) and you'll never leave. Um, And we're kind of in that vein of belief that we probably wouldn't, um, but we may live in a different place, a different area, because we have a lot of time to explore. So no, I don't have any fear. Uh, I don't have regret. I have sadness. Okay. Um, You know, I'm leaving three of my grandbabies here and my sons, Um, but I'm also at a stage of life, and they're at a stage of life. I'm not responsible for them anymore, mm-hmm. so it's not like I'm abandoning anybody. Mm-hmm. I know my son would like me to spend more time with his kids, and I get that, but you know, thank God for FaceTime, which yeah. is how I see my other grandchildren around the world. Um, we will come home at least once, if not twice a year. We have friends and family here, so we'll get an Airbnb and just hang out with people. That's all. That's what we'll come for, just to to celebrate our people in our lives. We hope a lot of people will come to visit, and apparently we're in a good place for that to happen. <laughs> um, so, no, there has been no – I haven't had one – not one moment of doubt. I, I wanted to say one word, and then I'm going to riff on that. And And the word is incubator. All right, incubator, kind of a weird word, isn't it? And what I mean by that is that you have really been isolated during the COVID pandemic and you've had an incubation period with with this relationship. It would seem to me that you have probably advanced uh, to the degree of years in a relationship in under normal circumstances. You know, if you were seeing one another and you're able to meet at restaurants, but because of the nature of this pandemic, you two must have made a choice at one point. Well, uh, you're in my bubble. I'm in your bubble. And that's it. And so you've not seen many other people. You've not been able to go out. You've not been able to do the things that we traditionally do in society. And so you've really, um, you've really put this relationship into fast forward, bam, like just, just wind that film and watch it rock and roll. Would that be an apt way to describe what's happened over the course of the last few months? Mm, it's 100% the way to describe it. And we didn't actually think about it as being, you know, we're going to move it fast forward, but we've realized that because we're in each other's bubble, and we are, and we're 
in the total lockdown, we're the only people in each other's bubble. You're only allowed to connect with one household. And he lives alone and I lives alone. So we were able to do that. And so we've spent, you know, literally 24-7 together for the last five months, I guess. Mm. Um, doing with not a single distraction. That's how we that's how we put it to each other. Um, no going out to the movies. I'm not going out with friends and you go play poker with your buddies. There's none of this. Mm-hmm. It's we're home, we're cooking together, we're eating together, we're finding series we want to watch together, we have our coffee rituals together, and we have a lot of rituals and traditions in this relationship. So we work on that as part of uh, of our bonding, I guess. And there's been nothing else. And so that's why when we... L- got to that decision at the end of March that we could actually move in together and move away from everybody else. We, I felt like I've, I feel like I've known him forever. And I tell you, I know him better than I know anybody else Wow! because we have shared every story of, you know, years of history. His, he's had more relationships than I have. And we've gone through all those. We've talked about them, our children, um, our, our last relationships, what we want for our future, um, what we are doing in our lives to make our own lives better and how we can make each other's lives better. Like James will actually say to me, how can I make this day good for you? Like, what mm-hmm. can I do to make this day good for you? Like, mm-hmm. you don't have time to do that, first of all, when you have kids. You don't, you're not sitting around thinking of questions on how you... So, you know, that's also the beauty of love later in life or love in the 60s, I'm calling it. Because we don't have a lot of other things to take up our time. I work. Um, James is retired, and I work part-time, full-time. Um, but it's a business. It's my own business, and I can pick it up when I need to. I can sit here and do this podcast with you and not have it affect anything. I will still get done when I need to get done. So, that, But that's it. That's the only distraction. That's the only thing that we really don't do together. He played golf couple of times with his friends and they shut it down again. Now they've opened it up. He'll play a couple times more before we go. He and I have played a few times and we'll play a few times again before we go. But that's it. So when we get to BC, this is just continuing. It, BC is not as locked down as we are here. We have one pair of friends there and James has a stepson there who we may see before he moves back to Vancouver. But it will be us still. Yes. Um, yes. So would this have been as easy to make this decision to move out west if it wasn't COVID, I'm going to say no. Because if we had been living our lives, I was seeing my grandchildren all the time. I was seeing my friends. He was playing golf with his buddies all the time. Would it have been as easy a decision to say, you know, we're going to pick up and leave all that and go? Probably not. But we've lived a year. Well, we've we've lived, each of us separately have lived more than a year. But we've lived a year of lockdown. Mm-hmm. And so that is making this move easier. Yeah. Is also making us appreciate the time we have with our friends and family better. The appreciation is much bigger. When I see my grandkids now, it's like, whoa. Terry said something quite interesting when she was explaining the reality behind developing a relationship during a COVID pandemic and lockdown. What she said was that during the past few months, there hasn't really been a single distraction. And that hit me like a ton of bricks when I was going over the interview audio. It hit me so hard because I know that one of the keys to a successful day, let alone building a successful relationship, is eliminating distractions. I'll turn my phone to flight mode, close all the windows on my computer except for the one I'm working in, and close the door to my office when I really want to pour my energy into accomplishing something. 
So it's really interesting to me that this pandemic lockdown has created an environment for some that's free of a lot of distractions, if you so choose to handle it that way. Free of criticism from friends and family, free of the stresses of being pulled in a million directions, and free from the influence of society as a whole, Terry and James coexisted in a place in which they were unencumbered by distractions and able to focus their energies on one another. There's a real lesson there, and it's not to wait until the next pandemic to find your soulmate. Rather, it's the realization of what can be accomplished when we focus our attention on our desires and our goals. Check out this next part when I ask Terry about humor and disagreements. We do obviously have disagreements and we don't always agree. And it's more, my, my bigger, biggest pet peeve, I guess, if I could say it, is moodiness. <laughs> and James is a very emotionally, emotional person, so he gets moody sometimes. And so what he has said to me, though, and the reason we don't fight it out is because I will say something to him about his behavior. He said, I've never had anybody call me out on stuff as much as you do. <laughs> but I do it with love. And by with love, we mean with humor. So when he said, we have what we have, what I call car angst. I don't know why we don't, we get along absolutely everywhere in every room of the house and every walk, but in the car, it's like, I don't know, we shut those doors and it's like, oh my God. I told you I wanted to move to France. Sarah and I almost got divorced in France because we were driving together. Okay. <laughs> no, and that's really a thing. And so I, so I, you know, I say when we get in no car angst, we're you know, driving to here today. Like, you know, it's an hour drive to Stouffville. I don't want any car angst before we go. And so... And it does because I say you should turn here, you know, like typical stuff. And then he gets that look on, you know, like he wants to. <laughs> and and so I'll, so I'll say, stop that. And you go, what? And I, I say, turn to me. And, and I lick him, lick his lips, like a, just like a dog, right on his lips. And he laughs every time. And that's the end of it. I say, you need, it's like, I say, you need a lick. <laughs> and so because we do that all the time, like, you know, he came, we had something and, and he wasn't happy with me or whatever. And he came into the room and I said, you know, it feels like a tundra just came in there with you. Is this a tundra that we're having in the room? And he can't not laugh because he is in the mood and he's like, he wants to be kind of, you know, his nose out of joint. And if you make him laugh, he can't continue. And that's okay, so so my theory of cutting through to the truth is is completely wrong. And you, you guys don't cut through any truth. No, but do. but but in, in, in but you know what? In in all seriousness, you actually are, whether you know it or not. When you lick somebody like that, right? When you lick somebody like that, you 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 know what the truth is? The truth is, I love you. Yeah. That's the truth. And so nothing else really matters, does it? It doesn't matter that that you took a left and you thought you should have taken a right. You just love. Well. I think that's a very important part of love in the 60s, too. You know, we are we are set in our ways, so you got that to deal with. But both of us have really determined not to be. We try very hard not to be set in our ways and have it our way and have to do it. And we really determined, and I think I said this in my marriage and it didn't work there, but I'm, we said it again and it's working now, that, you know, we'll know when we feel really strongly about something. Mm -hmm. And when we do, then we will stand our ground and may have a, you know, a head-to-head -head about it. But at this stage, stage of our life and at this age of our life and the incredibly wonderful life we're living, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, as I say, we're having, James is a, a connoisseur of coffee. Like he has studied it and, and he makes it in all different ways. And we have pour over every morning and the right measurement. You have to see it. It's just unbelievable. The taste is unbelievable. And so we have this, these moments, right? That there's this, that we put into these things. And so we do things in our life that other people can't do because they don't have the time. Mm -hmm. We don't, our life is one of 
beautiful rituals, really. Uh, food, very food driven. Um, James is a, a low carb eater. I was a eat everything you can eater. And we, <laughs> and we kind of found a mutual, uh, mutual stop on that. And we cook together and we shop together. Um, and we golf and we walk and we laugh. And so really, what are you fighting about? Yes. Right. So perfect example of fights to come, maybe. <laughs> we're, we're talking about Victoria and he says, you know, honey, I, I, I trust your judgment. I Whatever you want to do, however you want to decorate that place is fine with me. I just want to buy, I want to be able to pick the chairs for watching TV and I want like every other man, a giant screen TV. Like, yes. Okay. Because anything else you want to do is fine. <laughs> well, here's how this went. You bought what color dishes? <laughs> that really happened. They're green. Uh, <laughs> Why did you think green dishes? I go, oh man, we're picking the dishes now. Forget the couch, the carpet, the dishes. So yeah. So that might come a problem when we get there. <laughs> I suspect it won't. Um, I, I, I'd like to ask you this, uh, with, with so many people listening, um, who are, you know, anywhere from say my demographic is about thirties to, to late sixties. Um, what, what advice would you have to people who are single right now, who actually want love? In fact, I was speaking to one of my really good buddies this morning and he actually lives in Victoria. I'll have to introduce you because he's a marvelous human being. And, um, my gosh, it just strikes me right now. You have to meet him. Like I just got this tingling sensation in my heart right now. I'm like, I know you have to meet this dude. Anyways, he was telling me this morning that the one thing that he's missing in his life is love. So he knows that it's something that he wants. He, he feels it and he's got, my gosh, he's got everything. He's got everything. He's just a beautiful soul, a beautiful human being. And, um, and this is the one thing that's missing in his life. So you know, to someone like that or someone who's, you know, around the same age that you are that hasn't met that perfect fit, that hasn't, um, is not experiencing what you're experiencing right now, what would you say to these people? What what advice would you give, if any? Uh, well, you know me, I'd always give advice. <laughs> I never l l give up an opportunity, as my, my children would tell you. Um, well, I think, I think looking for love is the problem. Okay. This is a really important moment. Terry's advice is that looking for love is the problem. And I can relate to that, but in a bit of a different context. See, what I've discovered somewhat recently is that when we become fixated on a particular outcome, like love or money goals, for instance, there's a tendency for people to strain and struggle in the pursuit of their objectives. Now, this doesn't mean that we should abandon our goals and our desires, but there might be a better way to make the pursuit of our objectives just a little bit more natural. For example, when I left the corporate world, I was sure that I'd find a new career immediately and launch into it with immediate success. But that didn't happen. And as I began to get a little nervous about my future and what it would entail, the pursuit of finding my next career became unnecessarily desperate. And it was literally after saying, ah, screw it, and simply forgetting about the strain I'd put on myself to find that new career, that it suddenly became obvious to me that I had to create a podcast and a coaching business. It's like Terry's linking up with James on the very last day of her Bumble subscription when she'd more or less abandoned the thought of finding someone on that platform that had actually happened. And I can't begin to tell you how many times that's actually happened in my life, including the time that my wife and I were literally going to the fertility clinic to begin the IVF process 
when we found out that she was pregnant after two years of trying to conceive. So remove the stress and the strain, and it would appear as though the stress is replaced with success. Let's get back to our interview. I think you have to be places, though. You have to be out there. You can't be in your apartment saying, I'd like to find love. But I think probably the biggest lesson I learned in this is that don't have pre-existing expectations of what you need to feel loved and to love. We all do. And and I think, you know, many men, again, probably a sexist comment, but I do that too, um, you know, think it's going to be a younger, prettier, long-haired, blonde woman, you know, um, who's going to be the one that's that's going to catch their eye. But when you get through a relationship like we have and you've spent and we spent as i say the first 10 dates or whatever it was talking and getting to know somebody and finding out about their soul and you have a shared interest in kindness or a, sh- a shared interest in sports that's important but it's not the only thing um you know james and i had a, a great experience early on um you know alex that i was seriously involved in pay it forward mm-hmm. um in my a couple of years back and I was talking to James about it and he loved it. And we actually, I think it was our third date, maybe our fourth, first time I went downtown to where he lives, um, lived, um, and made a bunch of what we call blessing bags and delivered them to the homeless downtown. Right. Mm, so beautiful. water and masks and snacks and whatever. And you do something like that together and you really can see if a, a person's genuine. Right. Mm-hmm. I think the hardest part is finding genuine. Mm, yes. And, and, discerning how to talk to someone to find out if they're genuine because there is a lot of BS on online dating and online dating seems to be almost the only way to go now, which is sad. And it saddens me that university students are online dating when they have a campus full of people to see, not COVID, but before this, um, you know, one of my nieces is in university and the fact that they're all online, I'm thinking, just walk out your dorm. You know, this is what we did, right? It's crazy. So we're leaning on this too strongly. Um, But I think you truly, truly have to be happy, completely happy on your own and in yourself before you can truly give to someone else. And so people who are really wanting love have to decide why, not that they don't, I understand that somebody wants a relationship, but you have to make sure that you're not wanting it to fulfill an unfulfilled need because you can, we should be able to fulfill our own needs, even emotionally which allows you then to open up to someone else. Because when you're, the, the, the one thing I've really found about James, and he's been so good about telling me this about me, is that it's way more exciting and joyful and thrilling uh, to love him than it is to have him love me. Hmm. And he tells me all the time how loved he feels from me in everything I do, whether it's the licks or the food <laughs> or the bacon or whatever it happens to be. And my entire um, joy in the relationship is making that happen. We've really arrived at the essence of love here, in my opinion. When Terry says we should be able to fulfill our own needs, it's a very poignant moment and one that some people might consider self-centered or narcissistic. However, Terry's articulating a truth here that eludes a lot of people. 
And that truth is that the relationship you have with yourself will be the guiding force in every other relationship you ever have. And then she goes on to say that it's way more exciting, joyful, and thrilling to love James than it is to have him love her. Now, she's not saying that his love doesn't feel good or that she doesn't need it, but she's articulating something that my six-year-old son said a few episodes ago in the Life at Six episode when he said, it's true, you give, you get. I can feel the joy and the thrill that Terry experiences when she talks about what a magnificent feeling it is to love James. And just as in the pay it forward date that the two of them had on date three or four, the foundation of love is based upon giving. Love yourself and then, and only then, will you overflow with so much love energy that it'll be felt in every one of your relationships inducing a cycle of giving and receiving. I'm going to let the audio roll now, and we'll take this to the end of the podcast. In all these things that you've done, whether deliberately or non-deliberately, you just let go, and, and you were completely content and in harmony with yourself. And as a result, you were open, and that connection was made beautifully. And I'm I'm touched by that. I'm... I'm inspired by it. I, 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 I feel it. It's, it's, uh, it's emotional. It makes me, yeah, I can feel the emotion. It's, it's, it's so beautiful. And, and thanks for that advice. I, I, I think this might be the most important part of the podcast is for those people that are listening that, that haven't found that love to let go, to let go and to love yourself and to work on yourself and to never let go of the ideal that I want love or you want love. That, that, that's a beautiful thing, is it not? It's beautiful. And when it's right, it will be right. You, you will attract what you need in your life. That's, that's simply the way it's worked for me. I have faith that, that, that it will continue to work that way. And it, it's very apparent to me that, that that's what's happened with you and James. And I'm, I'm, I'm so touched. I'm so honored to... <laughs> I'm so honored to share this moment with you, to share um, the product of all these months. And it's not just the months, actually, now that I think about it. I, I think it's it's the product of your life. It's it's the product of who you are. And um, and who you are makes everything happen. And, and I think that's why I've always respected you and loved you so much, Terry, is that, is that I knew from the start who you really were. I did. I, and, and whether I could articulate it or not, I probably couldn't at that young age. Um, I probably just thought, why is she so unbelievably successful and I'm not, <laughs> right? <laughs> but but I, uh, I, I, I've always known that about you. Just I've, I've loved your energy. I've loved your, your heart. I've loved your passion. And to see you so happy and to have finally met James today and to, and to feel that love and this connection is is just beyond magical. When you say that it's so beautiful to love him more, like you don't really even need the love, you just love loving, I feel that way right now. I, I feel that exact way. And loving you guys and loving what you have, it brings me so much joy I, just, just to love someone else and to love mm, what's happening. Um, 
I don't know where we go from here. I don't know if, if, if this is where we end our conversation. It just anything else you want to say? Uh, any, any, any last words at all with regard to advice for anyone or anything about love? And um, for those of you that, well, everyone who's listening, you have no idea that, that James is actually here right now. And I, I can tell I've deliberately not looked over because he's probably been biting his tongue the entire time. I've got so much to say. Terry's full of crap. That's not the way that actually happened. <laughs> Anyways, I, 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 I am so honored, Terry um, and James. I, I'm so honored to, to be your friends, to witness this uh, beautiful love. And your journey is, is, is only just beginning. You're nine months in, and it, it, perhaps it seemed like a lifetime, and it will be another lifetime. So congratulations to both of you. I, 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 I love you both. Thank you. And, uh, Oh, I, I wish the best for you. Thank you. Um, we are looking forward to our adventure. It is an adventure. It will continue to be an adventure. Um, but we 100% believe it will be driven by and based on deep love and respect and a lot of humor. <laughs> that is the perfect place to end this podcast with the humor, right? Love and humor. I I, I truly and sincerely love it. Um I'm going to sign off. And as I always do, you probably don't know this. Um, I always tell my audience that I appreciate them. I, I end by saying, I appreciate you. And, and, and those words are always from the heart uh, because I share in the energy. And, and that's why I do this. Uh, I do it as much for me as I do it for the people that, uh, that, that, that I speak to on a, on a daily basis or whenever I, I get in front of this microphone. So today I'll, I'll flip the tables just a little bit. And instead of thanking uh, the people that listen, I will thank you guys. And I will let you know that I appreciate you. Thank you. Thank you so much for, for taking the time with me today, Terry. And, and thanks for being here, James. I appreciate it. Mm-hmm.